Hello, all my fellow fans of The Strange and Unusual. My name is Valentine, if you're new here, and welcome to episode 11 of Night Talk. Today, we are going to continue the Dark History with Val series and talk all about what happened to Matthew Shepard since his story is huge in the LGBTQIAA community, plus uh, because of how tragic and horrible it is, the, the cases, I mean. It's so it's so insane. You guys will see as as you continue the episode. Before we get into the episode, follow all the social medias to keep updated on when we post new episodes. We post every Saturday and Sunday at 10pm and you don't want to miss it. Link in the description of the episode as usual. I apologize for not, up for not uploading on Sunday this, this week. I have been, uh, it's been, it's been an interesting few days. So, um, but I will get back on schedule next week. I promise it will be new episodes coming every Saturday and Sunday consistently now, I promise. Okay, do you need any mental health related help? On my link tree with my regular social medias, I've provided links to where you can get the help you need. Places like the National Suicide Prevention Hotline or other helplines like that. You'll see when you click the link. If you just need someone to talk to though, I am just a DM away. I've also included in the same link places where you can donate to help LGBTQIAA plus youth and or just people in the community that are in need. Please donate if you can. Disclaimers. This episode has a few disclaimers. Uh, this episode contains descriptions of disturbing sexual and physical abuse. If you can't handle that, I completely understand. Please take care of yourself. I mean no disrespect to anyone I talk about in this episode. It's just the facts that I researched from the internet and compiled into one episode. Okay, let's get into the episode. This episode will be separated in two parts to help to tell the story. The first part is Matthew Shepard's childhood. Matthew was born on December 1st, 1976 in Casper, Wyoming. Shepard's father was an oil rig inspector who worked in Saudi Arabia school. Matthew attended high school in Casper, Wyoming and at the American School in Switzerland before matriarching at the University of Wyoming in Lorami. Uh, excuse me if I mispronounce that, Lorami. I think it's Lorami, uh, where he studied foreign relations, languages, and sciences, according to Britannica.com. On that campus, he was very open about his sexuality, and he was involved. He was very involved in the university's LGBT student association, meeting Aaron and Russell. 
After a LGBT student association meeting on campus, Matthew went to a local bar called the Fireside Lounge. It's a little unclear whether he met the two guys named Aaron McKinney and Russell Henderson inside the bar or before he got into the bar, but he met those two men around that time. They were claiming to be gay also, but that was a lie to lure him to come with them so they could rob him. He was super drunk also. Shortly after midnight, Shepard left the bar with McKinney and Henderson. What happened to Matthew? According to wyohistory.org, excuse me, McKinney and Henderson drove Shepard to a remote area in the Sherman Hills development east of Loramie. By McKinney's own confession, corroborated in corroborated in most details by Henderson, McKinney and Shepard, McKinney told Shepard that the two men were not gay, and he, that he was going to be robbed. McKinney began punching and pistol whipping Shepard before p- continuing the assault at a buck rail fence on Warren Livestock Company land. Investigators and an autopsy would later determine that Shepard was struck 19 to 21 times in the head with the butt of a. caliber, 357 caliber, Magnum Smith, and Wesson pistol, the final blow irrevocably damaging Shepard's brainstem. Oh my god, what this kid went through is insane. I feel so bad for him. It just breaks my heart. At McKinney's direction, Henderson bound Shepard's wrist with a white clothesline from McKinney's truck and left him tied, unconscious, taking his wallet, ID, and shoes. The two assailants then returned to Lurami at 12.30 a.m. What the criminals did afterwards. According to wyohistory.org, only a few minutes after the crime back in Lurami, McKinney and Henderson became involved in an altercation after two young men whom police suspected of being engaged in vandalism confronted them in a neighborhood in a neighborhood McKinney and Henderson mistakenly believed was where Shepard lived. After the argument became a street fight, police responding to a vandalism call spotted fleeing individuals, one from one of whom was Henderson, and discovered Shepard's ID and credit card and the blood modeled pistol in the truck. Both McKinney and Henderson were treated were treated separately at Ivinson Memorial Hospital over the ensuing hour ensure ensuing hours for head injuries sustained in the street fight. During the coming day, following their medical care, McKinney and Henderson would meet with their respective girlfriends, Kristen Price and Chastity Paisley, Paisley, who would later be convicted for their roles that day in disposing of evidence and co- and co- and concocting alibis for the men in the Shepherd case. Excuse my cat meowing in the background. He's trying to get in my room and uh, while I'm recording, so excuse that. If he starts to meow, that's just him trying to get in the room. <laughs> okay, um, anyways, let's continue. How Matthew was left to be found. Matthew stayed tied up and unconscious with all his injuries from what McKinney and Henderson did to him for approximately 18 hours until a mountain biker, until a passing mountain biker, Aaron Creffels, excuse me if I mispronounce his name, 
fell from his bike. He noticed what he thought might be a scarecrow on the fence, so he went to go investigate, and it was, in fact, Matthew Shepard instead. He, he immediately ran to a nearby residence to call the police. When they found him, too, apparently his face was caked with blood, except the tears that left tracks along his cheeks, which is really sad to hear. Oh, I can't believe it just makes my stomach turn every time. Like, this case makes me feel really, really sad every time I hear it or talk about it. I feel so bad for Matthew and and the, the shit that he went through. All because he was just being himself. Um, after transporting Shepard to a hospital 65 miles away from his original hospital he went to, he was admitted to their intensive care unit because his injuries were grave. Uh, as was as was as this was going on, the police investigation continued. Meanwhile, and all parties involved with the murder are murder was arrested. Shepard lingered in a coma state for about four days at. Padre Valley while his parents were notified of their son's condition. They had to begin the the arduous journey to Fort Collins from Saudi Arabia. As they got ready to visit their son, the news of what happened to him spread like wildfire, and this left shepherds this left the shepherds baffled when they saw what happened to him. Matthew's death. Matthew unfortunately succumbed to his injuries on the morning hours of October 12th, and the the charges against McKinney and Henderson were upgraded to felony murder and from kidnapping. Uh, case rulings and afterwards. The Hendersons. Henderson's case moved forward first in April of 1999. He readied a pre-trial plea agreement, which took the death which took the death penalty off the table in exchange for two consecutive life sentences. He, he tried to repeal his sentence in 2004, but it was rejected. McKinney. McKinney's case proceeded to trial in the fall, a year after the attack. According to WYOHistory.org, after his effort to mount a gay panic defense was ruled out by Judge Barton Viat, um, McKinney's counsel, pr- prosecutor Cal Rerukta, and the Shepherds agreed to a similar plea bargain for, conse- for consecutive life sentences and McKinney's agreement not to speak not to speak to the media about the case. A provision he would repeatedly violate for re- repeatedly violate in later years. Matthew's family afterwards. Judy Shepard, Matthew's mom, established herself as an LGBT rights activist who played a key role in finally passing the Matthew Shepard Act. The Matthew Shepard Act. The law was finally passed in 2009. It is an LGBT-inclusive hate crime bill, which is a, a bill that really needed to be passed, but is not really greatest in effect because a lot of people... Does, does, it doesn't really... 
it's not really enforced if um in, in my opinion because um a lot of uh people a lot of lgbt people still get hate and like intense hate uh, so i don't really i really don't think uh, i hope i wish this this law did more than it did if that makes sense Anyways, um, the Matthew Shepard Foundation. The foundation was started in 1998 by Matthew's mom, Judy, and his dad, Dennis. I'll leave a link to it in the description. Matthew's burial. To make his death even more tragic, Matthew wasn't laid to rest until 20 years later after his death, just four years ago. He was laid to rest in the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. on October 26, 2018. Literally, that was four years ago. How insane. His parents said that they are happy to finally have a resting place for Matthew's ashes. I hope they can find some sort of peace, even though what happened to their son was so horrendous. Okay, that is all I have for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. Just a quick reminder before we leave to follow all the social medias to keep updated on when we post new content. We have new episodes out every Saturday and Sunday at 10 p.m. MST, and it's always a ton of fun. Alrighty then, whether I talk to you on the podcast or on social media, I'll catch you then. This is Valentine, signing out.